Hallelujah. Now, the very first time that I wanted to actually do this series, the very first time I actually wanted to do this series, when it came up to me, um, and the Father wanted me to do this series, it was actually last year when this series came up. So I've been pretty much holding the, these messages for about a year. But the very first time um, I wanted to do the series, you know, with hindsight being 2020, I realized that now, looking back, that I was not able, he did not allow me to do the series because Apostle had to actually teach some more spiritual truths so that when I taught the message, it could really sit on the foundation like it's supposed to. And so the father, you know, just like when Paul was talking, you know, to the church and he said, and I wanted to do, you know, teach this message and I wanted to come to you and do this, but I was prevented, whether it was Satan preventing him or they wasn't ready because they were still infants, he was prevented from actually teaching a message. And so um, a lot of times when we listen, when we listen or we read particular scriptures, there's no um, connection there because we have not went through it yet. So, I most definitely um, identify what Paul was saying that he was prevented from doing it because I was prevented from doing it, even though he told me to start writing the message out. So I was not able to do it that time. And like I say, hindsight being 2020, I realize now why I was not able to teach on discernment. The second time I went and prayed about it and I said, okay, you know, I've had this for about six months, Abba, is it, is it time yet to teach on discernment? And oh boy, why did I ask? <laughs> Why did I ask the second time? Because the second time I asked, it seemed like everything kind of broke loose on me. And um, he told me no, because there were some things he needed to teach me. And I was like, oh boy, which meant that I was getting ready to go through. That's all that meant. But during that particular time, he sat me down. Help me preach this Holy Spirit. He sat me down and indeed, there was a lot of things that I needed to learn myself before I taught the series. So, before I get to what actually released me to teach the series, I'm going to give you some, just some personal information on discernment and when it comes to me. That, you know, my mother walked in um, a measure of discernment, and it was kind of, you know, translated over to me. Um, but I didn't. What I did not know was the measure that I walked in, and I did not know that on top of discernment that I actually was given the gift of discerning of spirits. And so, what ended up happening to me was that I had a gift, and I did not know how to function in my gift and how to use my gift. And on top of that, the gift wasn't even on no type of foundation. So what it ended up doing was actually kind of driving me, what I would call, if I had any, any natural words to explain what actually happened to me, it ended up almost like driving me into isolation driving me into what I would call a wilderness. And, and having the gift of discerning of spirits, it just makes you not want to be around people. And that's not good for ministry, <laughs> especially if God called you to ministry, and especially with being a prophet. And what it would do, it would, it, I would isolate myself and I would not want to be around people because I would know the spirit that's influencing people, whether it was a lust spirit, whether it was a lion spirit, whether it was, um, you know, a Jezebel spirit, no matter what type of spirit it was, it was a gift. I knew what spirit it was. And I'm like, why? It's one of those things like, I don't want to know this. <laughs> But it was a thing that would never turn off. Anytime that you're around people, it's always on. And don't touch nobody. Oh, Lord. 
don't hold nobody's hand, it gets even worse. And so, like I say, I spent a lot of time in um, kind of like an isolation and, and wilderness moment, not wanting to be around people because the spirits that would be, that I knew would be influencing people. But I had to learn what the Father had to teach me, I would have to say that. And then through this ministry and through apostle teaching, how to actually navigate that gift, but how to do it in love and how to function in it correctly. And so now, um, you know, I'll tell you how I actually was released to teach this message. I had a dream. It was very short, and in the dream, um, I was teaching a class at a university, and I was coming in, had my bags and everything, getting ready to teach, and I walked into the classroom, and I told the class, I said, you know, you, you know you're ready to um, hear the lesson, and it was like, yeah, we're ready, and I said, okay, and so in the dream, uh, there was this huge, it was probably from here all the way to the end of this stage. That's how big the window was in the, the university. And I took the curtain and I pulled it and I walked it all the way down. And I said, and I'm ready. That's what I said in the dream to the students. I said, and I'm ready to teach you too. And I woke up. And that's when the father when I woke up, I heard an audible voice, and the father says, now you're ready to teach the sermon. And so uh, that's why I stand right here with you guys today in order to do that and to teach that. Amen. But what I will tell you is this, and we'll get into this a little bit more, that there is discernment. And then there is the gift of discerning of spirits. And for a long time, I did not know there was a separation between the two, but there is. And so we will go into that. And, and as we continue to do these lessons, we will dive deeper into it. And for this series, we will most definitely set the record straight about how the father intended for his children to use discernment adequately and the only way to do that of course I will always say is to start on the correct foundation and we'll build upon it so we will begin this series of discernment with a lesson called I spy myself and you know that um <laughs> that game you would play with your friend I spy something in the room and you would say you know it's red it's blue, you tell them they're hot, they're cold, in order for them to get it. So this lesson is called, I Spy Myself. Now it seems like an awkward place to begin, but it's the only place to begin because we are on a self journey first when we're in sonship. We are on a journey to maturity, we're on the journey to the full measure of Christ along with, of course, with the word working in you. So we begin always with 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And it says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, we can separate the nine gifts into three categories. We can separate the nine gifts into three categories. We have what we call the vocal gifts, we have the revelatory gifts, and then we have the power gifts. Now the vocal gifts are the gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are what we call the vocal gifts. The revelatory gifts are the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, 
and discerning of spirits. And then with the last one we have are the power gifts. Now, and this is where everybody want to walk in is the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, and the gifts with an S of healing. Now, it's the only one that has an S on it when we say the gifts of healing because you can heal in so many different ways. You can heal somebody emotionally. You can heal somebody physically. You can heal somebody financially. You can heal their mind. You can heal people's families. You can heal people individually. You can heal, you know, youth. You can heal adults. So that's why we have the gifts of healing because you can heal people in so many different ways. So the first thing I want to establish is discernment versus discernment of spirits or the gift of discerning of spirits because the two are not the same, okay? Now, all believers have the ability to discern. All believers have the ability to discern. Now, I don't know if you guys remember when I taught on the prophetic culture and I was telling you every believer has the ability to prophesy because you're just hearing what the Father is telling you and you're seeing what you just hear the Father saying to you. That's what prophecy is. But then I told you that not every believer walks in the office of the prophet though. So, it's just like that, that all believers have the ability to discern. And the reason why all believers have the ability to discern is because of Christ in you. You have the seed in you. And because you have the seed in you, anytime you come into contact with darkness, you will always have this feeling of, you know, this uneasy feeling that you feel something, but you cannot identify what it is. So let's go through discernment versus the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, discernment means to judge, to diagnose, and remember, because Christ is in you, you have an encounter with darkness, which may leave you with an uneasy or kind of query feeling. But the gift of discerning of spirits is the actual ability to distinguish, to decipher, and discover the motivating source of an action, whether the source is motivated by God, whether the source is motivated by flesh, or whether the source is motivated by a demon, you automatically know, not because you did something great, but because it is a gift and you automatically know what spirit it is. So that's this distinguishing information between the two. One, you have the feeling, you feel someone, something awkward, but you just don't know what it is. The other, you have the gift of discerning of spirit and you know exactly what it is. That's the spirit of lust. That's the spirit of hate. That's the spirit of pride. You know the name of the actual spirit that's influencing someone. Now, upon having this impression that you have from discernment, when you are judging, it actually depends or, yeah, it depends on your mind in order to interpret what you understand. And for a lot of people, that's the hard part, part because the gift that you have is, is really um, is partnering with your mind, the impression, in order for you to know what it actually is. So it does need your conscious mind in order to do it. And so discernment is a gift that comes from the Father through the Holy Spirit, and it has two uses, okay? Discernment, whether it's the gift of discerning the spirits or the, uh, just discernment, it has two uses. The first use is the one that we will talk about today. The second use is the one we will talk about in our second lesson. The first use is that our spirit becomes usable first. 
our spirit becomes usable first. And I'll explain what that means. Our spirit becomes usable first by knowing what spirit or spirits are influencing us first. The second one is the ability to recognize another spirit influencing another person. So, like I said, we'll talk about the first one today, and that's the ability to recognize when another spirit is trying to influence you. So, let's talk about our spirit becoming usable first. And we're going to go to Hebrews 5 and 14. We're going to look at the King James Version, and we're going to look at the NLT Version. Hebrews 5 and 14. And it says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, the NLT version says that solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, we look at that word training, and you gotta ask yourself, how did you get mature? Because it said solid food, are, are solid food is for those who are mature, who through training. So if it's through training, where do you, where's the training happening? Where is the training happening? If it's going to be through training that you become mature, and as you, come, as you become mature, you actually are able to eat solid food, how do you get mature? By training. So where does the training happen? It happens with you first. That's where the training happens. It happens with you first. Because once you have the training with you first, you have the skill. And that's what anything in which you do, whether you're in the corporate world, that guess what? The training starts with you first. And once you have the training, guess what? You got the skill. And so it's the same way with the spirit. For instance, for me to know the spirit, and, I, and I'll just use Pastor Kirby, you know, for example. For instance, for me to know that a spirit is influencing Pastor Kirby, that will not come from a textbook. It won't. I can't learn that from a textbook. That experience will not come from other men or women of God. That it will not, the training will not come from that. But it will come from Abba dealing with me first on a personal level. That, that's where the training comes from. And after Abba deals with me first, with my hidden issues first and my faults first, then I'm able to discern what is influencing Pastor Kirby. Now, people assume that you get training by discerning other people's spirits. But I promise you, <laughs> that's not how it happens. The training never comes from you discerning spirits on other people first. The training always comes from him training you with the spirits that's influencing you first. Then you're able to recognize other spirits. Now, I'm going to put a question out here. How many of you have ever encountered someone and um, you may sense something influencing that person's spirit because you're around them and you're, you know, having an encounter. And you may feel uneasy just, you know, sitting next to the person or, you know, you might have just walked in to Chick-fil-A to get something to eat. And you feel uneasy, but you just don't know what it is. You feel an uneasy feeling, but you just don't know what it is. You might feel, um, you know, something demonic, but you just don't know what it is. And so when that happens, um, I'm going to tell you the actual process that actually takes 
place. You feel that way because the spiritual judgment. Let me get a um, Kleenex, please. You feel this way because the spiritual judgment. Because remember, discernment means judgment. The spiritual judgment, or we can say the word diagnosis, the spiritual diagnosis that you may have acquired about that person is what we call is an inadequate diagnosis. The diagnosis is inadequate. Now, I want you to look at the word choice that I use. I said that it was inadequate, right? That's what I said. So I didn't say that what you encountered did not happen because it happened. You felt what you felt. <laughs> I did not say that you did not experience something ungodly and you did not know what it is. That's not what I said. I said that it was inadequate. I didn't say it wasn't accurate. You felt what you felt. You could have even been operating in the gift of discerning of spirits and actually knew the actual spirit in which you encountered. You was like, that was a lust spirit. I know it was a lust spirit. Now, like I said, I'm not saying that you didn't encounter that. It was accurate. You were totally accurate when you said that. But what I am saying is that it was inadequate. And we'll get to that. Accuracy and adequacy are two different spiritual words. Accuracy deals only with knowledge and facts, and that's it. You know that this is a particular spirit. You know you've had an encounter with this particular spirit. It only deals with knowledge and facts. That's it. That's what accuracy deals with. But remember, mediums and psychics and tarot card readers, they're accurate too. So what's going to be the distinguishing thing that distinguishes you from them? Because we've seen them be accurate before. I've talked to people that said, well, she said this, and my grandmother's the only one that ever called me this. Totally accurate. So we're not looking to be accurate. Amen? But what they cannot teach you is how to remove it and how to grow as a son or a daughter when it is removed. Let's look at Titus 1 and 15. Titus 1 and 15. Now, before we deal with that, I told you that accuracy deals with knowledge and facts. Adequacy deals with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. It's complete. So, like I said before, we don't want to just be accurate. We want to be adequate. When we're adequate, it's complete. It's whole. It's not partial. We want to have, we always want to have the fullness of something. We don't ever want to have a partiality of anything. We want the fullness of discernment. So it says, Titus 1 and 15 says, listen, to those who are pure, all things are pure. But to those who are tainted, stained, and unbelieving, nothing is pure because their minds, which is a part of your soul, and the conscious, which is a part of your human spirit, is polluted. So how do you become pure? He said to the pure, all things are pure. So how do you become pure? By allowing Abba to purge you first. That's the only way that to the pure, all things are pure. But there cannot be an all things are pure if you're not purified, if you're not purged. 
Now, Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 2 and 15. Let me get that next slide. Paul taught in, I believe, yes, in 1 Corinthians 2 and 15. Now, hear this out. That he who is spiritual judges all things. Now, he said that. Then two chapters later, in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, he told the church to judge nothing before it's time. Okay, hold on. You just said he who is spiritual judges all things. And then a few chapters later, not even another book, a few chapters later, he told the church to judge nothing before it's time. Then we look at Jesus' words when he said not to judge others. He said that in Matthew 7 and 1, and he said it in Luke 6 and 37. Then he turned around and gives us permission to judge with righteous judgment. Now, this is what I would call spiritual tension in the scriptures, which natural people might say, there's a contradiction in the Bible. No, there's no contradiction. There's no contradiction in the Bible. But what there is... <laughs> is there's the missing of the context of the scriptures. For instance, when Paul addresses the Corinthian church in chapter four and tells them to judge nothing before it's time to, he had literally built his whole premise, his whole case was built on the statement in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4 all the way to verse 16 that the Holy Spirit was the Father's manifested wisdom and power who knows all things and he was telling them for them not to judge from their human reasoning but to allow the Spirit to judge through them. And that is where the Father gives us permission. In John 7 and 24, he says, do not judge according to the outward appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So what is righteous judgment? Righteous judgment is discernment that sees through a heart that has been purged first by Abba in order to see through the eyes of Christ. Your heart has to be purged first before you can have a righteous judgment because that's how to all to the pure, all things are pure. It's pure because your heart has been purified. You don't see the way you used to see. You don't see people the same way that you used to see people. So, if the Father has dealt with us, for instance, let's do an example. Let's talk about the spirit of pride. If the Father has dealt with us, for instance, about the spirit of pride, and I want to say that I want to use the word sufficiently, to the point that you have literally sat at the Father's feet. You have prayed and asked the Father to show you your issues in regards to pride in your own soul. Allowing him to pour humility into you. Allowing the sword of the word to perform surgery on your heart. And you have found out ways from Abba how to keep the spirit of pride out of you first. Then your discernment is what I will call has reached full maturity. In that particular issue. And now your discernment is what? Adequate. Because at first, like I say, we can sense the spirit of pride on other people. It's accurate but it's inadequate if that thing has not been dealt with you first. It's inadequate. And I'll go into what that actually looks like so you can have a better understanding of that. 
So now as soon as a person, guess what? If, if once Abba pours that humility into you, once you have sat at the Father's feet and asked him, show me what I need to do in order to remove this spirit, and once you have got the information in which you need in order to do that, as soon as another person begins to show pride, guess what? I personally know the case. I personally know the case. And I can do what? Judge or discern righteously. Because Abba first dealt with me about my own spirit of pride first. So we need a workable, purged spirit by which to diagnose another person's spirit. Our learning and being raised by Abba should be broad. And what we ourselves need to be judged by him. So the more you allow the Father to deal with you and your issues, us and our issues, guess what? The more adequate your discernment will be. Because oftentimes we can recognize, uh, you know, other people's faults. We good at that. We, we, we doctors in the spirit on that. We got PhDs, EDDs, MBAs, <laughs> MPAs. We got, we got every, 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 every one we could think about. But it's, it's not enough just to know the spirit that's influencing a person. We must be able to what? Help them out in a situation. Now, let me get a volunteer. Let me get that phone, y'all. You gonna be a volunteer? Okay, you be a volunteer. All right, so just sit right here. Oh, bring your phone. I meant to tell you to bring your phone. Now let's just say, who, wanna, who else you said you wanted to be a volunteer? Who else wanted to be a volunteer? Okay, so you are, you're gonna be our, our new convert who just came to, to Divine Generation Church. And I'm calling Pastor Kirby, because this, this, is, this is often what happens. So Pastor Kirby, I'm gonna need you to play along with me. <laughs> okay, you have to play your role. We kind of playing the gossiping role. You know, it's like, blurp, blurp. Hey, Pastor Kirby, how's it going? Oh, doing well. Just wanted to talk to you about the new convert, um, you know, Kina. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I felt like, you know, she just had a lion spirit on her. And you know what, I just, I can't, I can't be around, you know, I just can't be around that lion spirit. It just, it makes me uneasy. I grew up in a household where that's all people did was lie, you know, it just triggers me and I just, I can't, I can't do it. I don't even know if I'm going to be there this Sunday because she just really gets on my nerves. I just, I can't, I can't do it. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with her, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to be around her because I just can't. I just can't. You know, I, that, that happened in my last church. It makes me feel uneasy and I just can't. So, you know, whatever you and the pastor going to do, y'all just have to do, you know, deal with her because I can't. I know that spirit because I have the gift. I know that spirit. I know it's a lying spirit. And like I said, I'm not dealing with her. So I just wanted to let you know that.
Well, amen. Thank you. Thank you for understanding, Pastor Kirby. Yeah, well, I'll, I, I'll see y'all when I see y'all. I just, I just can't be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Kirby. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, I was totally accurate. I was totally accurate. What I encountered on her, it was totally accurate. She had a lying spirit. It was totally accurate, but it was inadequate. It was totally inadequate. And then I'll show you how it was inadequate. So Kina, come up and sit right here. Now this is really how it was is supposed to go. This is how it's supposed to go. And so once I called Pastor Kirby and I told everything, um, I said, you know what, Pastor Kirby, you know, I got I'm concerned. Um, Kina and then the new convert and I did sense a lying spirit on her but this is how it really was supposed to go I did sense that spirit on her but I sensed that spirit because God had to deal with me about lying because I came up in a family of liars so I know the spirit I recognize it when it's there because it was in my family and because it was in my family it was in me and you know what, I have these books. I have these books that I wanna give Kina. Um, and you know, I hope that she'll receive them because you know what, I, I do. I want her to read the books and I want her to, to get from it what you know, I got from it because I wanna help her. I see her as you know, uh, wanting you know, uh, this spirit, of course, to be off of her. I'm pretty sure she don't even know that it's there. And that's an influence in her. And I'm supposed to go to her and say, you know what? I've had that issue. God has dealt with me about it before. And I can help you if you would like me to. I can help get you out of that situation if you would like me to. That's what you call adequate. Because the purpose is to actually deliver her. The purpose is to get her out the situation. It's not just to know what spirit is influencing her. That's not going to help her do nothing. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help the church. And it's not going to help her. So that's why I say, in order for you to recognize something is on someone else, it's accurate, but it's inadequate. It becomes adequate when I'm able to say, this is what I did to get out. These are the books that I read that helped release me and gave me more information about, you know, what you're going through. That's it. Amen. Now, this is the proof. Luke 4, 16, 21, for those that you're not convinced. And Apostle brought the scripture up when he taught on the anointing. Anointed for what? The steward what? And it says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now, he didn't just come to let them know that a demon was influencing them. 
He didn't just come let them know that they were oppressed. He did not just come to let them know that they were blind. When he saw the, the boy throwing himself in the fire, he didn't just say, oh, that's a dumb and deaf spirit, and he walked away. <laughs> he didn't tell the woman with the issue of blood, I see you've been, you had this issue for a minute. You done ran out of money and everything. God. He didn't do that. When he met the man with what, the legion of demons in him, he didn't say, oh, shoot now. I ain't never seen this many demons in somebody before. <laughs> I think you did, you did, you did topped it up. You, <laughs> you got them all <laughs> and just walked away. He didn't. Every single time he encountered something, he did something about it. He was accurate about what he's seen when he's seen the deaf and dumb spirit. He was accurate when he seen, okay, that, that Lazarus was dead. When they said he was dead, he said, nah, he asleep. But he didn't just leave him asleep. Nah, he's asleep, he good. Leave him alone, y'all. <laughs> leave him alone. He just getting some rest. No, he did something about it. And that's where we need to move into. It's not enough to just know <laughs> something is, oh, that person got spirit of poverty on them. Good luck. Good luck. I'm going to get them food stamps. Good luck. No. Okay, show them how to practice righteousness. Show them. Amen. He came to do something about it. Hallelujah. Therefore, that is why, what? That's why we call him the high priest. That's the very reason why he is the high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And it says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings as we did, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Was there some times in your life when you needed mercy? Were there some times in your life when you needed grace? Were there some times in your life when you needed somebody to understand or forgive you? There's been some times in our life when we needed that, whether it was from people or we needed it from Abba himself. And on top of that, we needed the grace to actually change. We needed that. So guess what? We got to give people the same, the same that we needed. We got to give it to them. We got to give them the same opportunity. When people come in here, we got to give them the same opportunity that when we came here and we was allowed to let our crazy out, guess what? We got to allow them to let their crazy out and let them be, this be a safe place for them in order for that to happen. Because if not... Where would they go? Just like the disciples say, where, where else are we going to go? If you can't get, come here to heal, if they can't come here to get delivered, if they can't come here to get a different mindset, if they can't come here to receive life, if they can't come here to receive the word, where else are they going to go? If we can't have the patience, if we can't give them the grace, if we can't pour out the measure of mercy that they need, where else are they going to go? <laughs> so for me, this scripture, it sounds like the process, what, of getting raised in the sonship, getting raised in the family of God. Going back to our example of pride, if we have learned at the feet of the Father, he said, what, learn of me. He said, I am meek and I am lowly of heart. 
He said, come to me, come find rest. That's what they coming for. When they come here, they come in to find rest. They come in to find peace. They come in to find a connection, that connection that Adam lost. They come in to find that back again. So if, if we've done this and we've been in the Father's presence, and with the, the respect of, like I said, going back to the lesson of pride, that it's easy, guess what, to detect a rise in ourself when what pride rises up. We can't even detect it in ourselves if we haven't sat at his feet and learned of him. There's no, there's no detection of detecting that the spirit of pride has rised up in you if you haven't learned anything about how to remove it. So we have to begin to identify how it shows up in us. We, for instance, when it shows up, what does it look like? What's the nature of it? The nature of it is what? We want all the attention to be on us. We want um, everybody to, to notice us and we're satisfied with ourselves to the point where we don't even want to change. We have to know and detect when it's actually there, when it actually has risen up. What is the nature of it when it begins to rise up? So spiritual insight is different from simply picking out people's faults. It's a difference. You want spiritual insight. How can I help that person? How can I help deliver that person? What books do I know that I have that really can help that person and I see them struggling? We want spiritual insight. We don't want to just pick out people false. Their family didn't did that. They've been, they've been beating themselves up. They already know what their issues are. <laughs> they've been having mental health issues for, 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 forever. They've been ruminating in their mind about the issue. Satan been beating them up about the issue as well. There has to be something different. So we must not just sense it. We got to be able to explain it to people, what it is, how to get out of it. So I'll make this statement, and it's probably my next slide. And it says, uh, how much immaturity the church allows to remain depends on what measure of immaturity we allow in our own personal life. How much immaturity the church allows to remain depends on what measure of immaturity we allow in our own personal life. There is a direct correlation with the two. If you allow a lot of immaturity in you, then guess what? There'll be a whole lot of immaturity in the church. If you allow Abba to deal with you with your issues, guess what? The church will know what? How to get out of their issues. <laughs> a person with much discipline but little learning or understanding is a hard or a harsh person. They have encounters, right, with just knowledge, but that makes people puff up, the Bible says. But they don't have no lessons that they've learned. No lessons, no understanding, no application, but you have encounters. That's just knowledge. So to be useful in discerning requires that, number one, you first know how to use discernment on your own spirit, how to use discernment on your own soul, and then you will know how to help another person out. And the thing about it is we don't do this in, in we don't do this in the world. I don't ever, dupe, I would never come to you and be like, dupe, I got this business idea for you, brother. I never started a business, but I got this business idea for you, though. I need you to hear me out. I got DVDs, CDs. <laughs> I got this business idea. I got this proposition for you, Duke. Nobody in my family then ran a business. 
I haven't even started the business. I don't even got a name for a business, but I want to tell you how to run a business. We never do that in the world. We never do that in the world. We, we, if anybody ever came to us and did that, we were like, well, well, let me look what you got going on. What kind of business do you got? Because I want to see if I'm going to take advice from you before I start this business. That's what we would say, right? So why in the world would we do that in the spirit? Why would we diagnose someone else in the spirit but have no dealings before we diagnose? We don't ever do that. There's a lot of things that we do in the church <laughs> that just does, never translates over from the natural. So we need to recognize the source from where things come from and how to deal with it. Otherwise, we will walk, what, in deception. If we continue to do that, we open ourselves up for deception. And we have to know this. And you know, we don't want to open that door. When you open that door, you open several other doors. And when you open deception, then fear comes right along with it. And the Bible says that he has not given us the spirit of fear. We have been given the spirit of adoption in which we cry, Abba, Father. So we don't want to open the door to deception. And the way to keep the door of deception closed is to be constantly in the Father's face, asking him, show me myself. Show me myself so that I can help other people. Show me how the spirit of poverty is, can kept all of the generations of my family bound. Show me how to get out of this. Put me around men and women of God that's actually doing what I want to do. Show me so guess what? I can show my daughter. I can show my sister. I can show my friend. I can show my coworker. But I can't show nobody. If he's not working on me, I can't show nobody if I'm not coming to him and learning of him because he say he's meek and lowly. So, getting ready to close. If somebody can get the uh, oil, I'm going to go through these scriptures first. Now, remember what I had you guys take that picture in the beginning, Okay. So, I'm going to read these scriptures and we'll go back to that picture. Now, I'm getting ready to read Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and I'm going to read it in three different translations because they just hit different. Each translation hit different. So, the first translation we're going to read is the NLT translation, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And it says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You don't even qualify to get rid of the speck in another person's eye. You don't even qualify unless you're getting rid of the log in your own. Let's read the TBT version. It says, refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and you will not be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots 
and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. And you know the message is like the Ebonics for the Generation Z. <laughs> Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless of course you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. <laughs> so let's go back to the picture that you took in the beginning. I want you to open that picture up. And I want you to treat that phone as if that phone is an eye. And then the first picture that you have of yourself, that's the moat. And then the person that you took picture behind you, that's the moat in your friend's eye. Now look at that picture and tell me it is literally impossible to look at the person behind you without first looking at you? Aren't you the biggest person in the picture? Are you not the biggest person in the picture? How in the world can you look past your picture and look at the person behind you when you're the biggest person in the picture? And that use, that's what happens in the church. You looking at the person behind you at their faults, but don't you see that your face is the, biggest, is the biggest one in the picture? You're the biggest object in the picture. But we looking back there at theirs, oh Lord, what shirt does she have on today? Well, what about your shirt? <laughs> what kind of shoes does she put in the world? What about your shoes? <laughs> You can't diagnose anything unless you, you've, you, it's impossible to look at that picture without seeing yourself. Because the thing, what I just told you, if you cannot see yourself in that picture, you got to know you walking in deception. You are deceived. And if you are deceived and that door is open, then other stuff is, is guess what? Other stuff is coming too. The spirit of fear, <laughs> fault finding, criticism. Everything is coming right behind that because the door is open. So we have to make sure we are not walking in deception. We have to allow Abba to work on us first. That's the only way we're going to bring somebody else up. That's the only way we're going to bring somebody else out. That's the only way we're going to heal somebody else. I can't, if I'm broken, how in the world am I going to stay on the phone with you and heal you knowing I'm broken. It, it can't happen. And you know how they say we give the best advice, but we don't ever take it? We do it all the time. <coughs> I tell my clients this. When I'm counseling them, especially mothers, I don't know what it is about mothers, but you know, they, they'd be going through a whole bunch of stuff. And they're like, you know, I just don't know what to do. And I always tell them to do this. Because a lot of times what ends up happening, you know, people lose themselves. They have low self-esteem. Um, even how they look at themselves is just, it's just, it's distorted. And I tell them, I said, anytime you're having trouble as far as knowing what to do, I say, step outside of yourself. I said, and I said, and it's, it's a hard thing to do, I said, because most of the time we don't love ourselves like we're supposed to. I said, but if you step outside of yourself, and I said, and if you think, I said, think about a family member or a daughter or a brother or sister that you actually love. I said, what kind of advice would you give them in that situation? And then they would tell me, 
And I said, well, take that advice. I said, take that advice. If you don't know what to do, step outside of yourself and think, oh gosh, it's two, 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 okay. And think um, if that person wanted advice, what advice would you give them? Because usually we love other people more than we love ourselves, which is sad. We love our daughters, our, our, our brothers, our sisters more than ourselves, but it shouldn't be like that, but usually that's how it is. But if the, the advice that you would give them, you take the same advice until you're able to love yourself enough to know what to do. And that's what we have to 